Okay, um, so before Don comes up, we have some special music by his daughter. from the girl who the first time she tried to say verses on a Sunday morning looked out at you and cried. <laughs> so, thank you, Christine. 
We're in Luke chapter 14. I uh, asked her, I think maybe last Sunday, if she would learn that song and sing it for us uh, today, because I felt that it really fit with the passage that we're looking at today in Luke chapter 14. So let's turn to Luke 14, and we'll begin reading in verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, For all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and am going to test them. I ask you, have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. If you remember last week, we were looking at the early part of this chapter, and Jesus had been invited to the house of a Pharisee. And uh, he had invited many people, mostly other Pharisees and lawyers, and uh, they had uh, brought another man in who had dropsy. The Lord healed him, let him go. And then the question came up of, Uh, hospitality at the very end of that passage. And the Lord said, don't invite your friends, your relatives, your rich neighbors uh, when you have a dinner, but instead reach out to those who are poor and maimed and lame and um, invite them because they can't repay you. So at the end of his teaching on hospitality, um, someone at the dinner party blurted out, as we see here in verse uh, 15, Blessed is he who shall eat in the kingdom of God. If there's going to be a supper time, uh, there's going to be a party, well, blessed is the one who's going to be there. And of course, in his mind, as one of the Pharisees, he was going to be part of that dinner party. He was going to be one of the ones sitting at the table with the Lord in his glory. Not the Lord Jesus, but with God uh, in his glory. And of course, as a Pharisee, he thought that, you know, he would be like, you know, on the right hand or the left, but certainly not at the end of the table. I'm going to be one of the ones there, and blessed is the man who's there and has dinner uh, in the kingdom of God. Well, no doubt all who were at this particular dinner party thought that they would be welcome into the kingdom of God and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the great saints of the faith. And surely if anyone deserved to be in the kingdom of God, in their opinion, they did. So Jesus tells a parable, and I want you to listen very carefully carefully to this parable uh, this, this morning because you are invited 
to a great supper. You are invited to a great supper in the kingdom of God, and you need to RSVP. Okay? Many of you get the little cards in the mail with a wedding invitation, don't you? And one of the little things inside is a hard card so you don't lose it, and it's got RSVP, and you have sometimes a box to check, I will be there, or I will not be there. And you send it back in the envelope, and you send it back to the, um, the one putting together the, the event, RSVP. It's a French phrase. I, I know I'm going to butcher the French language, Michael. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. That's what it stands for. It's a French uh, phrase, répondez, s'il vous plaît. I did take French in high school, um, three or four years, I think. <laughs> Je m'appelle Don Robertson. That's about it. That means my name is Don Robertson. And uh, what it means in English is respond if you please, or please respond. And uh, that's the idea of having that card in that envelope is that you will say, you have to do something or else you can't go to the dinner. You have to make a decision or you can't come. You don't sign it, you don't send it, you don't eat, you don't go. Okay, It's the way it is with um, a dinner engagement like this or a, at a wedding. You just don't show up. Okay, there's etiquette, there's something to be done on your part. What's the, what's the thing to do? You don't have to buy your way in. There's no money, it's a free dinner. Who wouldn't go? Who wouldn't go? Come on, sign it, check it off, send it in. Respond, if you please. That's what it's talking about. The person sending the invitation wants you to tell him whether you're coming or not. That's it. Are you going to accept the invitation or are you going to decline his invitation? Will you be there or will you not? The Lord Jesus pictures God in this parable as a certain man. And he's giving a great supper. And he invited many to the supper. And he sends out the invitation and is expecting a response uh, from people. Christine just sang this song this morning about Jesus inviting us to his big house. Well, his big house isn't a literal house. It's heaven. And he's inviting us to heaven. You realize how incredible this is. You remember back in the Garden of Eden? God had fellowship with Adam and Eve. And God said, look, I'm going to give you the right to eat any of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden except for one. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from that tree. Uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, tree of life. Sorry, good, good and evil. I'm sorry. My mind's in, in my BCT class still. And God said that they were forbidden from eating the fruit of that tree. And he says, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And along came Satan, and he deceived Eve. And Adam, with full knowledge of what he was doing, took of that fruit. And he ate that fruit and he disobeyed God. He was really saying, by taking that fruit, God, I don't believe you. I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm going to take it. I'm going to eat it. And when he did, he plunged himself 
into ruin, into sin, and all of us as well, because we all came from Adam. Adam was actually representing us in the garden. Do you know that? He is the federal head. He is the one who represents the human race in the Garden of Eden. And the day he took of that fruit, so did you. And you were plunged into sin. And you were born a sinner. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's the the condition that we were born in. We were born separated from God. And here this invitation is going out to those who are separated from God. And he's he's saying, look, I have a heaven. And I've prepared it for you. Come into my presence. Come. The dinner's ready. Come and sup with me. RSVP. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. King David said, you prepare a table before me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, forever. Forever. This is the temporary. This is for a short time. But heaven is forever. The parable illustrates what God has done. He has prepared a table for you. But oh, what a cost. What a cost to prepare that table for you. To prepare heaven for you. For we were sinners, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what separates us from God. God can't allow sin into His presence. He can't allow sinners into His presence unless He does something about it. And boy, did He do something about it. God demands death for sin. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He shed His blood for us. And by believing in Him, we can have everlasting life. That His death on the cross was sufficient payment. God's acceptance of sinners because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Born in sin. Heaven's gates, because of our sin, are closed. The meal is off limits. Because of our sin. God cannot allow sin into His presence. It's my sin and it's your sin that is keeping us from God. You say, well, I'm not really that bad. I've lived a pretty good life. I try to, you know, scratch the head of dogs and take care of my family. I try to do good to others. I live by the golden rule. By the way, what is the golden rule? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, the Scripture says, and love your neighbor as yourself. How well are you doing? How well are you doing? The Bible lists the Ten Commandments, and we've broken every one of them. How many of you can say, I've never lied? Okay, I don't see any hands. And if you put your hand up, that would be your first. <laughs> Do not lie. Bible, every time we lie, do you know, I remember when we were going for the, or looking at the, um, the good test, if you remember that, one of the things to say, you'd ask people, have you ever lied? And they go, yeah. So what you're saying is you're a liar. Ooh, that sounds harsher, doesn't it? But that's what you are. When you lie, you're a liar. 
Have you ever hated anybody? Jesus says it's equivalent to murder in your heart. So you're a lying murderer. What about adultery? No, I've never done that. Really? Have you looked at a woman to lust after her? Are you a lying, adulterous murderer? Yes. Just admit it. That's exactly who we are. And you can go through the whole Ten Commandments and say, Lord, I've broken all of them. Every single one daily. And the Ten Commandments are like a chain of ten links. You break one, you break the whole thing. It's broken. We've broken God's law because of our sin. Each lie, each theft, each act of sin demands the death penalty because that's what God established. The wages of sin is death. We've worked hard at sin. We really do. We work hard at it. And we do sin very, very well. And each time we sin, it demands the death penalty. That's what the Bible teaches us. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be born as a man without sin. And He lived a perfect life without sin. He is impeccable. That means that He is without sin. There is no fault that we can find in Him. And that perfect, that one perfect sacrifice died on the cross for you. He had no sin of His own. He didn't need to die for His sins, but He died for you and He died for me on the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We were looking at this in the BCT class this morning. This is the good news. This is the gospel that we preach. Listen very carefully. This is the gospel that saves you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And He was buried and He rose again the third day. That's the gospel message. He did this for you so that you, by simply believing on Him, can have everlasting life. It's incredible. What an offer. And so He sends out this invitation to the whole world. And He says, Come to My supper. Come to My table. Come to My heaven that I've prepared for you. Believe and you will be saved. That's why Jesus said here, all things are now ready. In the parable that, uh, that we have before us, God sent His servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come. I love that word. Come. Come. For all things are now ready. And the invitation goes out to you this morning. You're not excluded. And the invitation is the same as it was here. Come, for all things are now ready. Come to heaven with me, would you? What's holding you back? Come to heaven. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Come, for all things are now ready. You know, it's amazing to me. I know sometimes when you get an invitation to a wedding or a 
an event, you go, ah, doesn't work with my schedule. I have a schedule to keep, by the way, and this just doesn't fit my schedule. I have things to do. I'm a busy person. I've got places to go, things to see. I've got all kinds of activities in my life, and you're just not fitting in my schedule. You know, we say that to God, too. God has sent you an invitation, and he's saying, come, for all things are now ready. They're ready today. They're ready right now. Come. Say, ah, it doesn't fit my schedule, Lord. And three people make excuses in this passage. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Three different excuses. They're the most lame excuses I've ever read. Listen to it. Verse 18. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you, please have me excused. Now, how many of you have purchased real estate before? How many of you purchased real estate sight unseen? Okay, one did? All right. Very rare to purchase a piece of real estate and not see it. He says, well, I can't come. I bought a piece of land. And now, after having bought the piece of land, I need to go see it. Sure. Sure. I have some more land uh, underwater in Florida I could sell you if I really believe that. Do you know how many people there won't be in heaven because of excuses like this? It's really materialism. The things of this world are holding them back. They are tied to this life. They are tied to things here and now. And they say, no, I can't come. It interferes with what I'm doing. It interferes with my life right now. You see, people are gripped today by money, by possessions, by land, by stocks, by bonds, uh, silver and gold. And yet all these things are perishing and will burn up. The Lord tells us that very clearly. All these things that we seek after and pursue and try to get, and they're holding people back from coming to the Lord. Materialism. There will be many people who won't be in heaven because they let the world and all that it offers get in the way. What's holding you back today from coming to the Lord? What's holding you back? The second person said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I don't believe that one either because I wouldn't buy a car without first testing it. I wouldn't buy a piece of equipment for work without first testing it. And that's what he's talking about. You see, they were in an agricultural society. Five yoke of oxen would make a man a very rich man because he could plow a lot of fields. He could do a lot of work with five yoke of oxen, but he's never seen them. He's never tried them. Are you kidding me? I don't believe it. I don't believe that excuse. Business. Business. Do you know how many people won't be in heaven? Because of business interests? Many businessmen and businesswomen are absolutely consumed with business. It's their God. It's their everything. I can't come. I can't read the Bible. I can't study the Word. I can't come to church. I can't do anything because 
business is just clamoring for my attention. And if I say no to this customer, I'm going to lose money. Well, guess what? If you don't come to this dinner, if you don't come to Jesus, you're going to lose your soul. What a comparison. Money, another job versus your soul. Are you kidding? And yet people make that decision every day. Every day. Many will not be in heaven because they let their work suck the life out of them. Millions of men and women try to buy into the American dream of owning a house. And they rise up early in the morning and like a herd of cattle, they shuffle their way down the freeway to their job. They, they go through the uh, toll booth like they're going through a cattle stall or something like that. Every day. And they burn themselves out. And I'll tell you something, corporate America will take every ounce of strength that you have if you give it to them. Everything. So that by the time you go home and you, you eat your dinner, you're exhausted. And you have to get some, enough sleep that night so that you can get up tomorrow and do it all over again. That's the American dream. Just so we can be here and own things and do things. And then at work, they get there. And they're used. You're used. And you're abused by your bosses and by corporate America. What you're serving. The invitation is given to them. But they excuse themselves from heaven because of the pressures of the workplace are all-consuming. Let me ask you a question. Is your business, is your work keeping you from accepting the invitation? Lord, I see that I'm, I have the invitation and it says RSVP on it. You're telling me to come, come to you. But Lord, I'm so busy. I'm so busy at work. I'm so busy with life. I'm so busy with just living that I just don't have time for you. Really. Really. God doesn't promise you tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Third person, unbelievable. I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. It sounds a little bit like Adam in the garden. The woman thou gavest me. It's not my fault. It's both your fault for giving her to me and her fault for being here. Okay? That's what he's doing. He's just excusing. It's not my fault at all. But, you know, I'll tell you something. I think it represents what so many people face in life that, keep them, that keeps them from Christ, and that's family members, friends, family, parents, children, mothers, fathers, whoever. You know, there are many people that I have spoken to about the gospel and they go, oh, I couldn't believe the gospel. That would mean I would have to become a Christian. And if I become a Christian, my family, they're not Christians. They'll reject me. You know what? It would be better to go to heaven being rejected by your father and your mother, your brothers and your sisters, your aunts and your uncles and everybody you know and be saved than to say no to Christ and be lost for all eternity. Come, 
to the Savior. Are your family and friends keeping you from RSVPing to this invitation? So the servant returned after trying to collect the RSVPs and the master of the house, God, in this parable, was angry. Angry. He was angry that they said no. He was angry that they wouldn't come. He said, does God get angry? Yes, he does. Why? Well, just think about this for a second. Think about what God has done for you. God said, look, I know that they're all sinners. I know that they're born in sin. They have a sin nature because of what Adam did. But I know they're sinners by practice as well and that every day they break my laws. But guess what? I love them anyway. I love them so much that I am going to send my son to the cross and he's going to pay their penalty for them. God so loved the world, the Bible says, that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what He's done for you. Do you think it angers Him when people say no and spit in His face? Look at the invitation and say, I'm not going. Are you kidding me? Think of what He's done for you. Think of the cost to save your soul. The Bible says that God will respond to those who reject His offer. And it says this in 2 Thessalonians, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired by all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Here's the thing. God has done everything necessary for your salvation. He has provided a way of escape from judgment that is due to us. That's what we deserve. Hell is what we deserve. Eternity in the lake of fire is what we deserve because of our sin. And he said, look, I will do everything to pay for that sin debt for you by sending my son, Jesus Christ, to the cross for your salvation. You just simply need to believe it. That's it. I've said it. Believe it. And you'll be saved. You're spared from eternity in hell. And the invitation to come to heaven is wide open to you. Come and believe the gospel. So all of the first crowd rejected his invitation. How about you? Have you rejected his invitation? You say, well, I I just haven't filled it out yet. Do you know every day that you don't fill it out, you are rejecting the invitation. Let me say this to you. When I get an invitation for a wedding or something like that, I've I've got a time limit on that RSVP. Why? Because there is a date that is set. That date is coming, and that date will come and go, and if I don't fill out the card and it just sits on my desk, I'm really not going, am I? You can't just keep putting Jesus off, because there is a date set. 
There is a date when Jesus Christ will come back to this earth. And He will or come back to take us home to be with Him. There is a date that is set. I don't know what that date is. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You have right now. I can't promise you tomorrow. You have now to believe the gospel. Come. Come to Him today. Come to Jesus and live with Him. So the master of the house sent his servants out to another group of people. This time it says he quickly uh, sends the invitation out into the streets and the lanes of the city and he invites the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. In this verse, the master shows absolutely no discrimination. The invitation goes out to all. For those who do the work of the gospel, I want you to see something in this verse. Time is short. We need to get the message out. We need to get it out now. And he wants us to quickly spread the news that heaven's gates are wide open to whoever will, whoever will believe the gospel. The Bible says, as we said earlier, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever, there's no limit to this, whoever believes shall have everlasting life. What a wonderful word, whoever. That means that there is not a single person here in this room that this invitation doesn't apply to. You've all received the invitation. You all have the RSVP cards. You all have to respond, every one of you, whoever. doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how sinful you've been. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter about any of those things. The only thing that qualifies you, from coming to, uh, qualifies you to come to Jesus is this. Are you a sinner? Okay? Then you're invited. A sinner. If you're a sinner, then the invitation goes out to you. Come to the Lord and believe His gospel. Who qualifies? Well, the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. The Bible says that the poor receive Him gladly. Is that you this morning? Are you among the poor? You know, some of you probably are. You've been knocked off your feet. You've reached the bottom of the financial barrel. And uh, you're struggling. I want to tell you something about the master. Okay? It's the master who has sent out the invitation. I want to tell you something about the master. It says this about him in the Bible. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Can you imagine this? This is what he's saying. Jesus was in heaven with the Father enjoying full fellowship and enjoying everything about heaven and His glories and everything else like that. And He became poor. What does that mean? He came to earth. He came here to be a man. And He came to walk a dusty trail to the cross. And He became so poor, if you will, that He went to the cross and bore your sins in His body on the tree. That's poverty. Why did He do that? He became poor. In the Bible, and the rest of this verse says this. He became poor that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. He's not talking about dollars and cents because that isn't, that's not going to last. He's talking about the full riches that God wants to pour out upon us. We talked about this in BCT today as well. That God says this about those who believe. That they are heirs of God. <laughs> and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. 
God has poured out His riches upon all who believe. And that's what He's calling upon you today. He's calling the poor. He wants to make them rich. If you're poor, you don't have to pay for salvation. Wonderful news. It says in the Scripture, you shall be redeemed without money. There's no money involved. The Bible says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money, without price. God is saying, look, I'm going to give it to you. There's no charge. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? You've spent your money on things of this life and none of them satisfy you. And now you're broke. This invitation is for you. You come without money. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He paid for your sins with His own blood. And I'm asking you today to come and be saved. Perhaps you're among the maimed. Boy, I think about this. Life, it's like a fight, you know? And it's landed blows and blow after blow after blow against you. And you're hurting and you're wounded. You're disabled or disfigured by trials and by temptations in your life. The world and the devil promised you pleasure and you end up with sorrow. You thought you found love and all you got was sorrow and heartache. You sought for peace and you have battles. You sought for joy and you have sorrow. You're maimed. You know, sometimes I think we look at life, especially us older people, and we say, where's the rewind button? What can I press and just do it all over again? You know? Put, but you know what? We would do it all over again just the same way we did it the first time. And we'd get just as many blows and just as many heartaches. Because we live in a world of sorrow. And it maims us. It really does. I want to tell you about a Savior this morning. (laughs) He heals broken hearts. He heals the broken heart. He does not bruise you. He does not extinguish you. And this same Savior has invited you to His house. Come. Come. Sup with me, he says. He wants you there. He's invited you, and all you have to do to come to him this morning is to come as a wounded, bleeding, maimed sinner who needs his salvation. Is that you this morning? He says to you, come. Come and believe him. And he will help you and heal you, and give you joy and peace. Come today. Accept His invitation today. It's a very personal invitation. He says, really here, are you maimed this morning? Are you among the maimed? Come. This message is for you. Come to my dinner. Come and be with me for all eternity. He's calling you, and I'm asking you this morning, come and be saved. Well, maybe you're among the lame here today. 
that old leg you know, limping along, limping along in life, you know? Maybe someone has kicked, the, kicked your feet out from under you in life and you're just limping along through life. Well, if you're old and can hardly move and your hip's out of joint and you've broken feet, then I'm going to ask you today to come down this aisle even though you have to crawl down this aisle. Come down this aisle and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lame, wounded, bleeding, whatever, come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You suffered blows of an accident. You know, some of you have been deeply hurt in life. Circumstances in life. But you know something? I always think about this. When somebody has been really kicked and really is down, I'll tell you, it's the best place for us to be. Because God can't seem to get through to the people who have their heads held high and are very proud. But I'll tell you, when you're down on your face and you're down low in life and all you can do is look up, look up to the Savior and He will save your soul. You're lame this morning? Then come. He's called you. It's the invitation to you this morning to believe and be saved. Come, you lame Leap for joy. <laughs> that's, the, that's the event that takes place upon salvation. Leaping for joy. And I'm asking you today to come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're blind. The truths that we've been speaking about today, maybe you didn't know about these things before you came this morning. Maybe you've heard them. I'll tell you something. This is the honest truth. I grew up in a church just like this for 20 years. And I've heard messages just like this for 20 years. And I did not believe. And you say, how can you hear? I'm very dense. I'm very dull. I was very blind. Very blind. There are children here who have been raised in Christian homes. And you've heard this message. And you know this message, and you could say this message to people. And yet you've never personally, individually, trusted Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. You're blind. And he's saying, come, and I will make you see. Come, and I will give you sight. Come to the Savior. Remember that old hymn? I think it's the most famous hymn in all of Christendom about a man. He said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And maybe today is the first day that you really see, hey, this message is for me. And I'll tell you, if I could go and reach into every one of your hearts and shine a light in there and show you, look, if you're blind... This message is for you. Jesus wants to make you see. See that he's calling you. You, individually. You have to RSVP. You have to respond. Believe on the gospel. And so I'm asking you, if you're blind this morning, come see. Come today and be saved. So the servants came back and reported that they had finished reaching the poor and the maimed and the lame and the, the blind. And still... There's room. That's wonderful. Because even after he's gone out and he's done all that, 
there's still room for you. There's still room right now for you to come and to believe the gospel. And the master said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It's likely that the first group that he talks about here were the Jews, where he made the invitation go out, the gospel message go out to the Jews, and they said, forget it. I'm too busy. i got things on my plate. I'm too busy doing other things or every other excuse. And he sent the message out into the world. And the Gentiles are included. We're all Gentiles included in this message. And God is saying, look, the gospel is for you too. The, the, the gospel message goes out to the world. Jesus said that before he ascended into heaven. He said to his disciples, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature. doesn't matter who they are. The message is for all. The Lord has invited you to come. And I want, personally, I want to compel you to come. There are certain things I can do and certain things I cannot do as a gospel preacher. I can't force you to come, but I can compel you to come. I can't make you come, but I'll tell you something. I can pray for your soul that the Lord would break your heart that you might believe the gospel and be saved. I can act as though Jesus Himself were uh, reaching out to you and compelling you or, or begging you to come, really is what the Scripture is talking about, begging you to come. And I do that this morning to you. I'm not ashamed because it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so I compel you this morning, come. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't stand back. Don't leave that RSVP on your desk. Come and believe the gospel today. In order to be included, you must RSVP. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. If I knew your language, I'd say it in that language too. But in English, I say, come. Respond to the Lord today. It's a person sending the invitation wants you to tell him whether you're going to accept or decline the invitation. What will it be today? Will you come? And ask you this today. After hearing all of that, what is holding you back? Honestly, what is holding you back? Don't give excuses like these three guys did at the beginning. That's ridiculous. Come on. Believe and respond to him. Humble yourself and admit that you are a poor, maimed lost, broken sinner in need of salvation because that's what you are. Come and believe the gospel today and dwell in His house forever. Put away your excuses and don't delay any longer. As a servant of the Lord, He has told me to compel you to come. I'll get down on my knees and I'll ask you today. Whatever it takes, just come. Come and believe the gospel. Come and accept his invitation to heaven. He's asking you to come. I said this earlier, some of you have been raised in Christian homes and you've not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, well, I've thought about it. I know it's the right thing to do. I should. Then make this be the day. Come and be saved today. Some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel. And you're sick and you're tired of your life and all the blows that you've faced in life. I'm asking to come and believe the gospel today. Some of you, 
Frankly, you don't know why you haven't responded. What are you looking for? An invitation? You've got it. You've got it. Come and receive Him. Just respond. That's what He's looking for. Come and today you'll be saved. We're going to sing a hymn. Um, Dave, what's the number? 376? Okay. I'm going to sit here at the front this morning. If the Lord has been speaking to your heart, I'm going to ask you to come. To come and sit down with me. Let me share some scripture with you and believe the gospel this morning. Okay.